0: good sunday morning i hope everyone is doing well uh this morning we're going to uh, take up our tithes and our offerings and uh if you would like you can always go with uh tidely the app and just go directly through there or you can go online to our website at uh com slash uh give and that will take you right to that page and uh let's pray over the offering again that uh that Those two places is Tidely, and the other one is com slash give. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning. Lord, I thank you uh, uh, for those that uh, trust in you, that believe uh, on you, and Lord, I pray that as they give unto you, knowing that you can do far more um, with uh, that 10% and leaving us with the 90% than, than us keeping everything for ourselves. Lord, I pray that... You would bless this offering, God, that it would go to reach many people for you. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name, that you would bless both the gift and the giver. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is an hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What, and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are Spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve.
0: As far as next week, uh, the only announcement we have, I know that the county is open, but we're going to get together and come up with a plan of action uh, to be able to uh, go from here on forward until the next phase is open. And we will let you know uh, later on this week about what we are going to do in that. And we will let you uh, we will let you know uh, via uh, Facebook on that. Aren't you thankful for God's word? Let's pray, Heavenly Father. We thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you for the reading of your word, Lord. I pray that uh, the seed of your word would fall upon good soil and fertile soil, Lord. I pray that we would take it to heart, that we would uh, that we would change when your word says something. God, I pray that we would. Uh, change ourselves, not try and change your word. Lord, I thank you and I ask that you would bless the, uh, the remainder of our time together as we hear your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we talked about union. We talked about unity and, and the fact that, that Jesus and the Father are one and Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity are one, that they are three in one and that the the flesh and the blood that he was talking about is not literal, it's a, it's a spiritual truth that he's trying to speak, and we'll see that later on in, in verse 63, that we are we are to partake of him, that we are united in him, that just as a man is united with his wife, or a body is united to his head, therefore we can share um, life with him, we can share in his life, and that he died, uh, he died for sin and death, and so because of that, we also... Can die to sin and death as well. That he is raised and will live forever and our lives are now hidden with him in God, as Colossians chapter three, verse three says. But most of the people following him had no understanding what he meant when he said that uh, when he he just spoke of of the things that we talked about the past couple weeks. Verse sixty says this says many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying, who can hear it? That words, uh, you know, for saying or hard saying is, basically it was a hard teaching, it was a hard doctrine. You know, they're saying basically, who can, you know, uh, who has the ability to hear, who has the power to hear, who, you, who can do it? And basically they were upset because it was something that they weren't used to. It was it was not a palatable thing for them to understand that they they sat there and because it went against their thoughts, it went against their preconceived notions of, of what the Messiah was supposed to say as opposed to, to what Jesus actually said, that it, it, it just messed up their thinking in the way that they thought that he was supposed to come. So they were upset about it. Actually, the Bible says that they became offended by it, that they were offended by the you know the truth that he had, uh, that he was given to them. And this is the common problem that we even see nowadays. So many people already know what they believe and won't listen to what the Bible or Jesus teaches. They already had this idea because of a popular teacher, a popular evangelist, popular preacher, uh, teacher, whatever, that... They already believe it. There's nothing you can do. And I've met several of them, and most of them, you know, I seem to find on Facebook, but um, they already have the idea that this is what the Bible says. They don't care if it teaches something totally different. They say that this is what the Bible teaches and they won't be moved uh, from that. And they get offended when you try to when you try to show them and they'll refuse to even think it through. Or that they'll, But in reality, what are they doing? When they reject the Bible or reject what, uh, what uh, Scripture says, they are rejecting Jesus Christ himself uh, because he is the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible says, you know, sanctify, you know, Jesus prayed, sanctify thy word through thy truth, for your word is truth. Well, reality, Jesus is the truth. He is the word. He is the living word. And so when they when they reject their truth when they re- reject the word, they reject him. We must be careful always to be ready to change our doctrines when they don't line up with Scripture. If if what we believe doesn't line up with what God's Word says, we need to change it. We can't sit there and try and justify it, or, or so-and-so preacher said this, or so-and-so said that. So what we need to do is is say, you know what, Scripture, are you teaching something totally different than what I believe? And if that's true, then we need to change us, not us change Scripture. Verse 61 says this, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, "Does this offend you?" That word offend literally means to uh, to trip up, to stumble, to uh, it says, or to entice to sin, or apostasy, or displeasure. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying, "Because I taught you what eternal life is, and because I I showed you and taught you and said, and didn't hold anything back, does this make? Uh, does this entice you to sin? Does this?" Make you want to apostasize? Does this make you want to leave the faith? Do you want to stop believing in true biblical Christianity just because it doesn't go with what you already think? Jesus Christ is uh, Jesus Christ crucified it is a stumbling block to the Jews, as First um, Corinthians chapter one verse twenty three says. All this talk about coming from heaven and having life within himself and and consuming his flesh and blood had upset their preconceived thoughts, or their sensibilities. They can't, and they won't believe it. I know that some of us, we've met someone, we've talked to them, we let them know, and it seemed like they were just almost right there, that they were right there at the edge getting ready to accept Jesus, and then something held them back, because they just said, you know what, I won't believe it, I can't believe it. Verse 62, and if, so what, and if, you shall see the Son of Man ascend up, where he was before here's the thing they were offended when he told them he came down from heaven that's the incarnation that he came down and dwell among us they were also offended when he uh, when he said he'd also give his flesh for sin at the cross if those things offend them will they be even more offended if they see him go back up into heaven no amount of evidence is ever enough for a hardened heart. The heart of stone. Even if a, a, a man uh, raises from the dead, they make excuses for it and suppress this. We see this in John chapter 11 when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. They He raised them literally in front of all these leaders and everything else. And what do they do? They make excuses for it. They, they try to 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 you know to, to divert everybody's attention from the miracle that just happened. Rez, Lazarus raising him from the dead. And they went back and they just basically said no it's not, not true and they actually even tried to hide it uh, from them verse uh, 63 says this it is the spirit that quickeneth and uh, the flesh that profits nothing they think that he's literally talking about like eating skin like eating body like off, off the arm like i just you know just eating that you're literally thinking that he's saying here eat me eat my eat me my arm or whatever i don't know What what they, you know, there's, but they literally think that they're saying, here, eat my flesh. But there was, there's no benefit. Even if that did bring about a benefit, there isn't any any benefit in it. It's not at all. But what he's referring to is the miracle of of, of manna in the desert and and the fact that he just fed the 5,000 with uh, five loaves and two fishes. And he's literally, he's he's talking about those things. And uh, And they're totally missing the miracle that is, that is happening. Like I said, the, pro, uh, the flesh profits nothing. The word literally means it's useful for nothing. That we can sit here and try and trust our body. And some people say, well, this flesh, this, this literal physical body is sinful. But here's the thing. We teach our bodies what we want it to do. We teach our bodies. We train our bodies whether to sin or to be holy. Whether to please the Lord or not to please the Lord. You say, well, no, it's just my carnal nature. I'm sorry, if you're a believer, you no longer have a carnal nature that has died, that has been crucified with Christ, and now he lives in us. And so when we know that sin is trying to um, present itself, to, to, to tempt us to, to try and sin, we are to come before uh, you know, uh, we are to come before the Lord and say, Lord, give me the strength to overcome us, and we will overcome it. And the more that we say no to sin, the more that we say no to sin, the more we will say yes to holiness. The flesh can help us in no way. Eating his body is of no use, and reaching God through the flesh is just as useless. We see this in John chapter 6 where he said that those who eat bread shall still die, that those who eat physical bread are still going to die no matter what. We see this in John chapter 4, it says also arguing about which mountain was best to worship was futile. There was one saying that you worship on this mountain, and and God's there, and you worship over here, and this is good, and this and this. It doesn't matter. It's useless. And in uh, John chapter 3, it says uh, says this. Jesus says, if I told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Some of us, no matter how much scripture you share with someone, or how much spiritual truth you share with them, they will not believe it. So for those those believing in the temple or believing in priests or preachers or sacrifices and, and all the celebrations and feasts and rituals, these are all just merely, uh, merely earthly and fleshly. There are literally some Christians now that believe that if they keep like the Passover or they keep this feast or this feast or they do this or, or that, that God's going to love them more. And then you know what? It profits them nothing because it is by faith alone in Jesus Christ that we are saved. It profit nothing except to the point to point to the spiritual, which quickeneth or gives life. That the Old Testament points to Jesus Christ. The entire Old Testament, everything about the Old Testament, from Genesis all the way through, the, through Malachi, all of those were to point us to Jesus Christ. So many people sit there and say, well, if I do this, this, and this, and this, and this, if I follow this part of it, this part of it, or it's impossible. To, it's all supposed to point to Jesus Christ that in the latter part of verse 63 says the words that i speak unto you they are spirit and they are life there were people like nicodemus that thought that they were a good standing because they had something to do with abraham that they were of abraham's seed and, and all this other stuff and they all thought that jesus christ was 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 crazy but think about this nicodemus asked this question he asked the same question that these people are asking now just a few chapters later Nicodemus asks, How can a man enter a second time into his mother's womb? And these people ask, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? It's it's the same thing. They're they're thinking on the physical and not what the spiritual says. But in both cases, Jesus Christ reveals himself so that those who believe will have life. Not just life, but eternal life. Everlasting life. Life that, that does not end. That there is no more pain, no more suffering. Any of those things... That's what he's offering to them, and they think that he's just offering an earthly kingdom. The words, it says, the words that I speak to you, they are life. This is the real meaning of religion, of Christianity, is behind these words. That the real meaning behind there, that that the real source of life was speaking to them. Jesus Christ, who is the source, who is the creator of life, was speaking right there to them. This is the real gospel, the, the real gospel. Jesus Christ, or God, sorry, God man, uh, is manifest in the flesh. What does that word manifest mean? It's laid bare. It's right there in the open. That there's nothing. That He is there. That he, uh, that He is manifest in the flesh. That He was there. That He died. He was buried. He raised again, and He rose uh, to heaven. That He ascended into heaven. What is He saying? Believe, and you shall live. In short, that's what He's saying. If you believe on Me, you shall live. Verse sixty-four. But there are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who uh, they were that believed not, and who should betray him. There are some that just won't believe. So this is a mixed crowd. This is not just believe, this is not all believers, this is, I mean, it's it's ones that want to know him, but it's a mixed crowd. There's some that are saying, you know, that they're all believing, but the thing is that we know it's a mixed crowd because... There are some that are wanting to hear the truth, and the other ones will leave here, we'll see in a moment. Some will hear and accept what they hear as truth. But it, we know that Jesus Christ goes from a, a pretty decent-sized, you know, in our in our days' uh, terms, it would be, he goes from a, a pretty decent-sized church. He probably was considered to be successful. And in a moment, he's going to cut it down by what he says. And the thing is, is that he even knew from the beginning that they wouldn't believe. He didn't just know uh, he didn't just know that, but he also knew that uh, Judas would betray him because he knows what's in every man. He knows Judas's character. He knows that Judas is already plotting at this point to betray him. Verse 65. And he said, "Therefore I say unto you that no man can come unto the Father except it were given unto him of my Father." We cannot come to Jesus Christ except through the Father. He said this in verse sixty. Oh, sorry, verse forty-four. Of course, they were murmuring, and they had their things because he had said yet again that he came down from heaven. But they knew Joseph, in which they thought that Joseph was his father, but Joseph was his stepfather, and they said, I, you know, that we have seen you as a boy, Jesus. And they didn't believe that he had come down from heaven. He didn't believe any of that. But he he didn't try to persuade them. He just simply said that if no man that no man can come to him unless the Father draws him. He didn't try and beg them to come back. He didn't try to do anything else. He just said, he simply said that no man can come to him unless the Father draws him. What is this drawing that he's talking about? We talked about this last week. And uh, I wanted to bring up this, this again. My... My brother had put this out there, and I just wanted to uh, say it again because he put, uh, he puts it so well. Draw in this context has a meaning to come by influence of the truth. As seen in verse forty-five, the teaching of God influences men to come to the Father through Jesus. The Father draws men to Himself by the means of His Son, as Jesus later states in John chapter twelve, verse thirty-two. What does John chapter twelve, verse thirty-two say? It says. And I, if I be lifted from the earth, will draw all men unto me. It is only through Jesus Christ that we are drawing. God is constantly drawing us. He's constantly wanting us to come uh, to repentance. For we know his word says that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That he's constantly drawing mankind to himself. Some respond positively to it and say, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. Other ones reject him. So that we're, uh, we see the fact that, that he's, the one, uh, he's the one that gives life, but they don't believe it. Uh, they don't believe that he, uh, that he offers life. We see this also in the fact that what it says, that there is no hope in the flesh. They are hoping in themselves. They are hoping in religion. They are hoping in, in the things of this world. For Romans chapter 9, verse 16 says, It is not of him that wills, nor of him that runs, but of God that shows mercy. John chapter one verse uh, thirteen. Uh, chapter one verse thirteen says this: We are born, we are children born, not of blood, nor of the uh, of the will of flesh, of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It is about faith alone in Jesus Christ that we are saved. And I don't say this as a theological saying or some sort of seminary, you know, phrase or whatever, you know. You know it is the, the practical meaning that the gospel and all the hope and assurance are based on it. That my standing before God is not something that I can do for him. My hope for life is based in him. My life is hid in him at the prompting and the will of, of, of God. That no matter how much I do, it cannot make me. Uh, it cannot make him love me more. Because my faith alone is in him. There are a bunch of people who don't want... They don't want life on what God says. They want life on their own terms. They want to to follow God when it's convenient for them. Verse 66 says this. This is a very, very sad and sobering statement. Verse 66 says From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Now I want you to, to realize that on this, yes. That he knew, uh, it says that he knew what's a man's heart. He knew all that stuff. But the part there says, for that uh, from that time, many of his disciples went back. A disciple means that they were following Jesus Christ; that they were a believer in Jesus Christ. For some of those that say, well, these weren't true believers; that they were just false converts, or they were this or this or that. No, the Bible doesn't refer to people as as disciples if they're not believers. It's the same thing when they use the word brother or brethren; they are believers in Christ. And it says that they went back and they followed him no more, that they walked with him no more. But he, like I said, he, he knew beforehand, and it turns out he was right that they 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 left. They didn't want anything to do with him if he was going to if he wasn't going to feed their bellies anymore. And if he was going to preach such uncomfortable doctrine, uncomfortable teaching. So many times people leave churches because the pastor's preaching the truth. And they don't like it, and they say it's uncomfortable, and they begin to blame the pastor instead of what God's word says, and follow it. This tells us a lot about Christ and the truth that the way this is how the church should operate. That I've seen so many times where if somebody leaves a church or a family leaves the church because they're offended by the truth, that we try to beg them to come back. That we want them to come back, and Jesus just simply just just lets them go. I mean, yes, we should pray for them. We should pray that they would realize that the, you know, that that they're rejecting the truth, that they're rejecting Jesus Christ. But we shouldn't sit there and try and beg them to come back. Because that's something that's between them and God. All we are, all the church is supposed to do, all that believers are supposed to do, is preach the gospel, preach truth to them, and and pray that they accept the truth. Because as soon as we start giving into it. As soon as we start giving into what they want, we change the gospel. And we should not change the gospel for anyone. When we preach, it's to be uh, the same message to everyone. That if the Father will give uh, ears to them to hear, then so be it. If not, then it's out of our control, for it's the Spirit who gives life. We don't need a bunch of, of gimmicks or hooks to draw people in so that they can hear the truth. We only need to be faithful in handling the word of truth. That when we preach the gospel, when we preach it out of God's word, that's what we're called to be faithful for. Not for smoke machines and lights and all the glitz and glamour. But we are called to preach the gospel of truth. Verse 66 says this. Verse 67 says this. Then Jesus said, uh, Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? He puts the question to him. He says, What about you? Is it too much for you? Do you want to leave as well? That's what Jesus asks us when a hard truth is presented to us. Are we going to leave as well? Verses 68 and 69 says this. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the worst of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter answers uh, answers the questions uh, answers... That question for the entire group with this confession. He says, "No man exists that can uh, teach the you know the truth like you. You are the Son of God. You are the Christ. We know this. We are sure of this. That we, and we're not going anywhere because we know that no matter how hard uh, you're preaching, no matter what, how hard the truth that you're you're telling us, we are not leaving because we want the truth." Verse seventy and seventy-one. Jesus answered them. Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you was a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being of the twelve. So Peter was mostly right when he made this confession that you are the Christ. That they believed that, but there was one they said he said it is of the devil. Now let's like think about that for a moment. If if a pastor who was truly speaking, you know. the lord was truly speaking through called someone or called maybe you one you know that is of the devil would you repent at that moment or would you leave the church and start bad-mouthing the pastor or bad-mouthing that person that's trying to share the truth with you most of us or probably most of, our, you know, of us will probably get offended in some way, but I pray that if we are offended, that we would repent and not do the latter and betray Jesus Christ. That word "devil" means false accuser or slanderer. We know later on that uh, that Judas is used by the uh, Sanhedrin to bring false charges and to slander Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting that Jesus knew, but he would still allow uh, he would still wash Judas's feet later on. And yet, and also, he would just allow Judas to continue to tag along. He knew his character, he knew who he was, but yet he allowed him to tag along. And the thing is, is that there's some people that say that, uh, that Judas wasn't saved, that he was a false convert, that he was never saved. But we know that the Bible calls him a disciple, calls him one of the twelve, and also Jesus gives him power and authority over demons, and he doesn't do that for. For a false convert, he doesn't do that for for people that are not of God. He doesn't call them a disciple if they're not a disciple. He doesn't he doesn't give them you know the, the uh, uh, power and authority to cast out demons and all that. He doesn't do all that if he was a false convert. So in other words, Judas turned his back on the Lord. Judas gave up his salvation. He forfeited his salvation. Every disciple trusted him enough to let. To let them keep the money as well. There are a couple of things that we need to, to see from this portion of scripture. Number one, it reminds us not to think, think too much of men. That even the most godly looking person can be a deceiver. And number two, it reminds us that we too must be careful. Paul tells the Corinthians to examine themselves in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. And Jeremiah says that basically that we can be blinded, you know, that the heart can be wicked and deceitful. That we can actually, if we don't examine ourselves, that our heart can be can actually blind us or be deceitful and wicked and actually tell us that we're good. But what we need to do, as God's word says, is examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith. I conclude with this: Jesus teaches. His disciples that the flesh profits nothing and only the spirit gives life. Many don't believe and stop walking with him. Uh, uh, Adam Clark posed this question, and it's a very good question. It says, Tell me rather, would you that I speak unto you a soft lie or the harsh truth? The wicked word of a lying world is in general better received than the holy word of the God of truth. Now think about that again. Let me say that again. Tell me, would you rather that I speak unto you a soft lie or a harsh truth or the harsh truth? The wicked word of a lying world is in general better received than the holy word of the God of truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for setting the example and and giving us the harsh truth. Lord, I pray that as as we have listened this morning, that we would say, I would rather listen to a harsh truth or give heed to a harsh truth than to to sit there and say, I'm gonna follow that soft lie because I like that better. Lord, I pray that for those that maybe uh, that don't know you, and that, for those that don't know you or, or have walked away from you, like uh, like those in this in this uh, account from your word, God, I pray that they would realize that your word says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does that sin do? Well, in in Romans chapter six verse twenty three it says, "For the wages of sin is death." So because we've sinned, there's a wage, there's a payment. It needs to take place. And that, and that payment is death. But it goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that payment is not just a, that payment, that wage of death is not just a physical death. It is a spiritual death. We see that in, uh, in Revelation chapter uh, 20 and, and also in Revelation 21 and, and verse 8. That it says that if our name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, that we will be cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. But I thank thank you, Lord, that you don't want any of us to go to hell. That you gave your Son for us so that we we could have life. Not only life, but life eternal, everlasting life. Your uh, your word says that even while we are yet sinners, that Christ died for us. And that if we should confess with our mouth that you are Lord, that we shall be saved, that if we believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. And so I pray that that that's you, that you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. I pray that this morning, oh Lord, I pray that they would give their life to you, that they would believe on you, that they would forget all the things of this world, say, I'm not gonna follow the things of this world anymore. I'm going to follow the words of life, the words of eternal life, only found in Jesus Christ. And for those this morning that may have uh, began to think that they can do something more, they're believers, but they think that, you know, if I do this for Jesus, you know, then, then he'll love me more. I pray that they would realize that it's by faith alone in him. And that is it. That we, yes, we do work and we do labor for the Lord. That we we want others to come to know you, Lord. But that's because of what you've done for us. You've done so much for us. So, Lord, I thank you, God, for this morning, for the opportunity to be able to preach your word. God, I pray that that the seed of your word has fallen upon the good and fertile soil. That it finds deep root within us. And Lord, that we would change the way that we live instead of trying to change your word. In Jesus' name, amen.